1 Samuel 20. David fled from Nioth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? What is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? He said to him, Far from it, you will not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, but that he discloses it to me. Why would my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. David swore moreover and said, Your father knows well that I have found favour in your eyes. And he says, Don't let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as Yahweh lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever your soul desires, I will even do it for you. David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to dine with the king. But let me go, that I may hide myself in the field to the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem his city, for it is the yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says, It is well, your servant shall have peace. But if he is angry, then know that evil is determined by him. Therefore deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of Yahweh with you. But if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? Jonathan said, Far be it from you, for if I should at all know that evil were determined by my father to come on you, then wouldn't I tell you that? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? Jonathan said to David, Come, let's go out into the field. They both went out into the field. Jonathan said to David, By Yahweh the God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about this time tomorrow, or the third day, behold, if there is good toward David, won't I then send to you and disclose it to you? Yahweh do so to Jonathan, and more also, should it please my father to do you evil, if I don't disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in peace. May Yahweh be with you, as he has been with my father. You shall not only show me loving kindness of Yahweh while I still live, that I not die, but you shall, not, you shall also not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when Yahweh has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the surface of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with David's house, saying, Yahweh will require it at the hand of David's enemies. Jonathan caused David to swear again for the love that he had to him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is the new moon and you will be missed, because your seat will be empty. When you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid yourself when this started and remain by the stone easel. I will shoot three arrows on its side as though I shot at a mark. Behold, I will send the boy, saying, Go find the arrows. If I tell the boy, Behold, the arrows are on this side of you, Take them, then come, for there is peace to you and no danger as Yahweh lives. But if I say this to the boy, Behold, the arrows are beyond you, then go your way, for Yahweh has sent you away. Concerning the matter which you and I have spoken of, behold, Yahweh is between you and me forever. So David hid himself in the field. When the new moon had come, the king sat himself down to eat food. The king sat on his seat, as at other times, even on the seat by the wall. And Jonathan stood up, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul didn't say anything that day, for he thought, 
Something has happened to him. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. On the next day after the new moon, the second day, David's place was empty. Saul said to Jonathan his son, Why doesn't the son of Jesse come to eat, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, Please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city. My brother has commanded me to be there. Now if I have found favour in your eyes, please let me go away and see my brothers. Therefore he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, don't I know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame, and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you will not be established, nor will your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Jonathan answered Saul his father and said to him, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? <coughs> Excuse me. Saul cast his spear at him to strike him. By this Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. In the morning, Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little boy with him. He said to this boy, Run, find now the arrows which I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy came to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the boy and said, Isn't the arrow beyond you? Jonathan cried after the boy, Go fast, hurry, don't delay. Jonathan's boy gathered up the arrows and came to his master, but the boy didn't know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said to him, Go carry them to the city. As soon as the boy was gone, David arose out of the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. They kissed one another and wept with one another, and David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have both sworn in Yahweh's name, saying, Yahweh is between me and you, and between my offspring forever and your offspring forever. He arose and departed. And Jonathan went into the city. It's a very sad chapter. Um, David had to flee for his life in the last chapter. And he comes to Jonathan and he wants to find out what's going on. Jonathan thinks everything's fine, but Saul is keeping it a secret. And then they come up with this, this intelligent method of finding out for sure. And um, so basically what happens is that there's a scheduled feast um, because of the new moon, and I'm not sure what time of the year this was, but there were various festivals and celebrations. David was expected to be there, but he didn't show up, and Saul was angry that he didn't show up, and even tried to kill his own son by throwing a spear at Jonathan. Then Jonathan was angry, and he goes to David in the field. There's a secret system they have by shooting the arrows too far, and David knows, Jonathan knows, and it's very, very sad. So they um, send the boy back, they hug one another, they embrace, they have an arrangement that they're going to take care of each other or they're going to take care of each other's ancestors. They know that they've fallen on the wrong side of this conflict. And so because of that, the chances of um, either one of them dying are very high and the chances of, you know, often what used to happen in these situations was when someone became king, they would immediately kill 
all the family of their enemy. And uh, we notice when David becomes king, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that to Saul. He, he protects, you know, and he preserves. And he, he's, in fact, as far as Jonathan's ancestors and descendants go, he's very, very kind to them because of his covenant. And so what we've got here is a great example of David with a, a big heart towards Jonathan, and he kept a big heart towards Saul. This is actually the second last time they see each other. In the last chapter when David fled, he didn't see his wife for more than 10 years. And now David's going to leave Jonathan and he's not going to see Jonathan for one or two or three years. We don't know how long it is. And then the next time he sees Jonathan, it's the last time he sees Jonathan. And this is a long, it's a long drawn out process and it's very, very sad. Now, what happens to us is that we, when we get ourselves into a situation of bother, it could be in our own family, or it could be in our workplace, or it could be in our church, and someone does something against us, they say something that we take the wrong way. What we tend to do, most people, is we tend to remove our heart from them. So we remain physically present, but the heart is withdrawn. So you might say your pastor says something on Sunday, you don't like it. Um, this, a lot of this crazy type of stuff is happening right now over simple things like disagreements over vaccines. I can't believe we're living in a world where vaccinations is a big issue right now, and I'm not giving an opinion on it, but a lot of people do. And people are separating friendships over something as simple as whether you have a vaccine or don't. It's the craziest thing. But whether it's that or, or, or any number of other things, people can be sitting in church they can hear their pastor say something that they don't like and they remove their heart from him, just over words. And um, so, or even husbands and wives, they're married, but something happens and they, they re remove their heart. So they are physically still present together, but the heart has been removed. David here, he is physically removed from Saul, but his heart is not removed. He's the complete opposite. And this is so unusual. Usually, um, what happens to people is they remove their heart first, and then when things get worse, then they physically remove themselves so that they've got neither. Neither the heart nor the body are given to, the, to someone else. David has to physically remove himself because he has no choice, but his heart remains connected with Saul and with Jonathan. And when Jonathan and Saul eventually die in the end of the book of 1 Samuel, David writes a lament, like a, a, a song of sadness. It's one of the most moving songs that there is probably in the history of the entire world. In fact, I think C.S. Lewis called it the greatest lament ever written. And just goes to show how much Saul and Jonathan mattered to David. So I think that the challenge for us as people is not to remove our heart. Now we've got this other thing that happens in the body of Christ where we've got pastors and churches that we're learning that we've got to be united. We're learning that unity is an important thing. So we're starting to meet together, we're starting to have physical togetherness, but we still haven't given the heart. <laughs> so it's not that anything bad has happened, it's just that we're not trusting, we're still developing trust for one another. And so <laughs> it's a process, but one of the things I've discovered is that, is that the real power of, of Christian unity comes when we love one another. Well, you've got to give the heart for that to happen. And one of the keys to seeing that happen is to pray together. So a lot of Christians, they start having activities together, they do things together, but the real power comes when we start to pray together because when you do, you realize 
the same things matter to them as matter to you. You start realizing we all are on the same page with what, what matters. And then your hearts start getting knit together, just like happened to jo Jonathan and David, how their hearts were knit together. So, is there anyone in your life that you've removed the heart from? Is it your husband or your wife or your children or your parents? Is it your pastor? Is it people in the church? Is it people you work with? Is it your boss? Are there people you've removed your heart from and you've just, just decided that, you know, I'm closing myself to them. You might physically still go to work. You might physically be at home with that person or physically be in the same church. But closed heart. Well, it's not good. Got to forgive. Got to release. Got to extend grace. Got to open up the heart. Yes, you might get hurt again. David was being chased all around the desert, as we're going to see in the chapters to come, and he never removed his heart. It's the most amazing thing of all. You can only do it if the Lord helps you. So Father, we ask you to forgive us that we have closed our hearts to people, that we've removed our hearts from people. Lord, is not godly, forgive us. And I pray to help us to be people with a big heart for others, with a heart for Christ, with a heart that loves the people that Christ loves. Help us to open up our heart. Help us to trust, even though we might get hurt again. Lord, I ask for grace for all these things. Forgive us our sins, I pray. Help us to be like David and Jonathan and not to be like Saul. So, Lord, bless your people today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.